Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. You know, it helps if you turn your headphone on. Hello, everybody. Sorry for that slight delay. Uh, And welcome. It's been a long time since we've had a uh, Parenting Your Challenging Child program because of the holidays. And uh, we're starting off the new year with a bang because today is a parents' panel day. We uh, put it off from last week because We figured January 3rd was not a great day to be doing a uh, parents' panel, Um, but January 10th is a great day to be doing a parents' panel, and we have two of our parents' panel members already um, uh, signed in here. I'll bring them on the air in just a moment. Um, But I hope the holidays went well for all of you. They may be a distant memory for many of you at this point. Um, I think they are for me. I can't even remember. Um, But I hope you got a chance to recharge and... um, get some perspective and reflect um, because let's face it life with a child with social emotional and behavioral challenges ain't easy and maintaining perspective ain't easy Um, sometimes we need a break just to get our bearings again Uh, I know that my break had that effect let's see what our parents panel members tell us the holidays had on their lives the effect uh, Sharon, welcome to the program. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am good. Uh, Susie, welcome to the program. Hi. How are you? I am Happy doing New well. Year. Same to you. And, and Peter, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Good. So we uh, had a ri- bad, bit of a subdued parents panel last time. Um, all of you were struggling with some different things, but... Um, Maybe the place to start is by uh, telling us how things are going with the various things that um, were a little bit hairy the last time we had a parents' panel. Uh, Susie, you want to start? Sure. Um, I suppose I would say that things have probably deteriorated um, with our daughter and we're have an appointment with her psychiatrist on Friday and she um really hasn't been able to get to school but what I what I wanted to tell you was about our other challenging child and um over the break we had a couple of different instances but one in particular that I wanted to just mention that even when a kid is older, CPS is useful in helping a challenging child. We were away 
over the uh, December school break, and our 22-year-old challenging child was in an especially bad mood, just spoiling for a fight with anyone and extremely oppositional, negative, and inflexible over our evening dinner plan. And experience said something was underneath. So we reached out to him through Plan B. We empathized, drilled, defined, and invited him to participate in a discussion. It took a while. We discovered the problem was a bad grade that he had received in school and had just found out about. We discussed the bad grade, how it happened, and how to learn from this experience. We avoided a major meltdown. CPS works. It did, however, take a very long time, years in fact, to get our son to this point. I'm glad it helped. It um it really did. So how do you he your son who uh, has uh, an interesting history of being challenging? Mhm. Um Sounds like he's largely doing better now, but still has his blips. Correct. How do you keep your perspective on your daughter, who is still struggling? I mean, I assume that your son still has his struggles every now and again, but um, your son, I don't know if you ever say anybody's completely out of the woods. I don't even know what that means, but... How do you keep your perspective on when things are not good um that they could be good again? What do you what do you do? Uh you take a very deep breath and I divide my days into components and um I I know I know that it could always be worse, and I just tell myself that we're just we're gonna get through this. We have excellent doctors. Um, I know that this isn't her idea of a good time. Um, if she could get to school, she would get to school. I mean, she is just so depressed. It took all of her energy to take a shower, and then she crawled back into bed. Just under the sheet, she was too exhausted to even put her clothes back on. Um, I think you just, you do what you have to do, and and you keep your blinders on and stay focused, and just, like I've always said, my your mantra, but I've adopted it as my own, is children do well if they can. And that has uh, really kept me going. And the other parts fall into place. Are there things you could think about that don't help that you try hard to keep yourself from thinking about? Of course. I would not be honest if I answered any other way. Um, But you just have to stay in the present and your feet on the ground and 
just know that there will be light at the end of the tunnel and it and it is going to work out and you've had taste of tastes of light with your daughter you're now tasting much more light with your son yes um so in the case of your son i guess you have experience telling you that there's light at the end of the tunnel i'm sure that with your daughter being in the state that she's in at the moment um uh, you, you doubt probably creeps in. But, of course um, it does. You're terrified that she's just going to end up on your couch. You know, not a productive member of society. Just not being able to function in life. Sharon, how's uh, how's things going for you? Well. We um, went on a vacation together for the holidays, and I would say it was probably um, 95% perfect. Um, 95% perfect. Wow. Yeah, it was. It, I'd say it was pretty good. Um, you know, of course, my challenging child, um, you know, doesn't want to dine with everybody at night. You know, um, there was 20 of us that went on this trip. And, wow. you know, our goal was to do whatever you want during the day, but at night we were all going to sort of eat together. So there's and the expectation. The expectation was he was more than welcome to join us. Uh, if he did, he needed to be showered and dressed appropriately. Um, and if he did not want to join us, he was more than happy to eat, you know, in another part of uh, where we were, which offered, you know, a buffet all all day and all night long. So the funny part was one night we get downstairs to line up for the dining room, and there he is in shorts and a T-shirt, the same shorts and a T-shirt he'd been in for two days, you know, ready to join us. And I told him he could not join us because he had not changed or showered. And my husband was on a different... My husband's like, let him eat with us. I'm like, absolutely not. Sharon, so you're doing plan A, but keep going. I know. I said that was the the expectation was for to eat in this dining room. You must have, you know, you must be clean. Have pants on and a, and a shirt. You know, anything you want. But it could be sweatpants. It could be a T-shirt. doesn't have to be a button-down shirt. We discussed these expectations before, and he'd agreed. So I wasn't backing down. So he left in a bad mood. Uh, Of course, my husband felt guilty because he didn't want him to eat by himself after this little incident. So he went and joined and had dinner with him. I happily had dinner with the rest of our group. And uh, to make a long story short, when dinner was over, I went back to our room, and my husband was sulking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, because he felt badly. Then I went to my son's room, and uh, I explained to him the situation. He said, fine. I said, you want to go, you know, take a walk with me and, you know, check out some other things that are happening? And he's like, sure. So he, you know, changed his clothes, got dressed. He and I went went out and had a pleasant rest of the evening together. And then a few nights later, it was our one of our last nights. He showered, he dressed, he ate with us in the dining room. 
So How's the job? That was going? our only you know, I, I, I think that you know, we always you know, I always used to say not not don't make food an issue, don't make this an issue. But if you line out if I give my expectations beforehand, um, I think they should be followed. And if I back down, it's like anything else. You know, I get taken advantage of by my kids when I when I fold. What what you're describing is the classic plan A C dilemma, which is <laughs> Impose your will, or back, or, or feel like you're capitulating or caving. Um, although I must say, it sounds like your son has reached the point where you can get away with Plan A with him. Right, he's not going to have a tantrum. And right, back in the day, you would have had trouble doing that. Uh, exactly. I'm, I'm wondering, Susie and Peter. Uh, you all are not necessarily through those days yet. Mm-hmm. Um, not at all. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm just curious before we uh, get to Peter, Sharon, how's the job going with uh, your son? He's still working. Outstanding. It's going fine. It's four weeks, I think. Um, there was a point where he was sort of wavering last week that he doesn't know how long he's going to last because it's not fun and it's not what he wanted, and he asked my husband if he could work for him if he quit this job, and my husband said no. <laughs> so he said, <laughs> and he said, you better have something lined up before you quit. And I don't know, this week it's been fine, you know. So, uh, or towards the end of last week it's been fine. This week has been fine. No complaints, getting up early, getting getting there by 8 o'clock. And seems to be, do, you know, doing okay. So, Good. Yes. God Peter, is give us an update, and then Peter, give us an update, and then we might return to Sharon's AC dilemma before the program's over. But uh, how's things going for you guys? You you were having some trouble last time we talked too. We had a mixed Christmas. Um, it was difficult leading up to Christmas, and I think part of the reason is that um, Christmas is the context of um, when my son. Most misses his uh, his grandfather who passed away. Because normally we lived in uh, last year we lived in two different cities, so we would get together at Christmas. So it really affected him this Christmas. He was very very uh, sad about it. And I think the thing that bothered him the most is we, we've been doing renovations in the house, and we really ha- were not quite ready uh, with decorations and things. And our tree wasn't up until just a few days before Christmas, and he was very anxious about that. And uh, when we really uh, probed uh, more about uh, what was bothering him, it was the fact that the tree wasn't up. So when we shipped gears and got through the last few days of school and got that tree up, he he really started to calm down a lot more. And he and his brother decorated it on their own, and they were able to take all of their familiar um, ornaments and things that uh, reminded him of of, uh, really happy times, and, and they put it up on the tree and and then that helped a lot. Um, we've also started um, grief counseling with him. We, we uh, enlisted the services of a hospice um, house where we live, and um, they just started uh, an initial session of grief counseling. And that seems to be uh, giving him the opportunity to talk about things that he really didn't know how to handle. And then um, one more thing is a part of his Christmas present. Um, somebody gave him a journal, 
and he's been writing a lot. Um, my older son has difficulty with language. Um, written language is very difficult for him, but he's been persisting day after day, and he's written many, many pages now, and I think the writing is coming more easily. So we, we see good progress, and today, uh, yesterday was the first day of school. Today, second day of school, he was um, really looking forward to getting back to school, and, and uh, that's gone very well. How did you... Um, it sounded pretty... Um Harried last time. How'd you pull yourself through that? One thing that we, my wife and I both um, worked very hard on is just remaining calm when my son or my younger son had outbursts. So we created this thing, uh, what we call a safety plan, where if they are very, very upset, our first priority is to just calm down no matter what else is going on. Um, even if we're late for appointments and things like that. And once they started believing that that they would have an opportunity to calm down without being pressured to move on to the next step, I think the kids started to um, feel more relaxed about um, being able to come down from their high-intensity outbursts. And then we're starting to see the intensity decrease a little bit. So just creating that little space before we react has been a big help. So we're just giving them the time to, to kind of settle down a little bit. And then we start, if we can, we'll, we'll do collaborative problem solving. It's not really that useful when they're upset, but um, we just try to manage as best we can. Sounds like things are a little better. Yeah. Still some challenges. My my younger one seems to not want to participate in activities, and that's something that's been going on for the last two months. But lately, he just doesn't want to do anything at all. Like he doesn't want to participate in things that he previously enjoyed, and we need to spend a bit of time probing on that, getting some information. We're not sure what's going on yet. Yes, that sounds like something you'd want to know more about. Shall we overall, return? Go ahead, sorry. Overall, we're, we're quite pleased with how things are going. Good. Shall we return to um, the child not wanting to come to dinner dressed appropriately? Okay, you can dissect my parenting skills. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Very and I'd like to learn more about that myself. Well, you know, you, basically it, it's a great example of you got three options. I mean, but let me dissect it for people. Not not Sharon's parenting, just it, it really comes down to A, B, or C. Um, exactly. Uh, the expectation was that your son uh, would come to dinner, and he's how old at this point? Twenty-one. Got it. He'd come to dinner dressed appropriately. Yes? Correct. He was having difficulty meeting that expectation. Yes? Correct. No, but no. Um, the, you know what? This is the thing. It's the um, I don't care type of thing. So is that the same thing, having difficulty? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, okay. any any indication, I don't care is an indication that the kid is having trouble meeting an expectation uh, screaming is an indication that a kid is having 
difficulty, meeting an expectation, uh, hitting. Th- those are where a kid is on what I've come to call the spectrum of looking bad, which is simply what a kid looks like when he's having trouble looking good. So, um, And that usually happens when a kid is having trouble meeting adult expectations. And I don't know if the word trouble is the most appropriate at the moment, but your son was clearly balking at your expectation. Mm-hmm. Now, what a kid does at that moment um, really kind of mostly determines um, how difficult the kid is to live with at the easy end of the spectrum of looking bad. There's sort of whining and crying and pouting, which most kids do, but we call them easy because adults don't usually find that kind of stuff to be intolerable. But then as you move further, and I would put I don't care, I don't know where I'd put that in the spectrum of looking bad, but it's, you know, it's sort of in the middle, I suppose, uh, screaming, swearing. Now we're moving in a more difficult direction and in the direction of things that adults don't, aren't usually very enthusiastic about, not that people, not that most adults are especially enthusiastic about whining. I, I personally would actually rather have screaming than whining, so we all have our sort of personal preferences, but what you got was him balking at meeting your expectation, the expectation being um, you'll, you'll, number one, you will join us for dinner, that's one expectation, and the other, you'll be dressed appropriately, which is the other. Fair? Fair. In this respect, that unmet expectation, or what I call unsolved problem, is in league with any other unsolved problem. Susie's daughter is having difficulty getting to school. Susie's daughter is having difficulty getting out of bed, and those are expectations Susie has for her daughter, so those are unsolved problems that need to be solved with her daughter. Peter's expectation is that his son will participate in activities. Um, And as Peter was saying, So before we get to what Peter was saying, um, if there's an unmet expectation or an unsolved problem, we basically have three options. Plan A is when we're solving the problem unilaterally. Plan B is when we're solving the problem collaboratively. And plan C is when we're deciding that we're just going to let it go. So now let's home in on the specific unsolved problem. Was was your son balking at both coming to dinner and dressing appropriately? Um, I did not know he was going to show up since he had said that he was not going to be eating with us in the dining room. Um, So he did show up, but he was dressed dressed in a way that wasn't... um, Right, I had not seen him all day until he was down in the um, waiting... Actually, yes, until he was in the dining room. I did not know that he was going to show up for dinner. Got it. So before we keep going with A, B, and C, I think it might be informative for our listeners to um, take a slight detour here and to think about from a collaborative problem-solving perspective, but we could enter other perspectives into play as well, um, how it could come to pass, what, what explains why your son might not be enthusiastic about eating dinner with a group of people and why he might come to dinner dressed in a manner that wasn't in keeping with your expectations. In collaborative problem solving, the explanation for that is lagging skills. 
So there's, I mean, there's other potential explanations. We could say he's just a kid, but not every kid would do that. We could say he's a uh, he's an older teenager, but not every older teenager would do that. In collaborative problem solving, I might turn to lagging skills like difficulty appreciating how his behavior is affecting other people, difficulty mm-hmm. appreciating how he's being perceived by others, uh, difficulty appreciating how he's coming across, difficulty taking another person's perspective. Would any of those resonate as it relates to yeah. your son? Okay. Yeah. And so those. So here's the interesting thing. I, I think that that's a more compassionate way to explain why your son might not be enthusiastic. And but now let's keep going as it relates to why he might not be so enthusiastic about coming to dinner with a group. Safe to assume that your son is not big on um, social interactions that would involve a large group. Um, correct. But he was sitting. We had two tables, um, and he was sitting with all the, all kids that he knew. Got it. The it's mostly a food thing. He he prefer, he prefers to be at a buffet where he can take as much as he wants, when he wants, eat when he wants, as opposed to the designated eating time of waiting for someone, waiting for the food to come, um, having to make conversation. You know, all part of the same. Um, Sort of, social thing. Right. And, of course, you hit the nail on the head when you said um, doesn't care what other people think about oh. him, which is, you know, when I was like, you can't wear that. Well, I'd, you know, you, you do you realize that you can smell, you know, that someone sitting next to you doesn't necessarily <laughs> want to smell you while they're enjoying their dinner. And, um, and that, that you know, was your is, concern, right? But you know what, though? When I did bring it up to him afterwards, I did it in a diplomatic way. So I said, you know, you have a very sensitive nose because you're always pointing out things that smell. So you sitting next to someone, when you haven't showered, um, you know, maybe they would be sensitive to you. So you have to look at it that way. And I, I said, do you understand? And he said, yes. So good, but so now you know, I, I tried to break it up I'm to, just, to I'm tell just him sort of... why it was important. You know, I said the T-shirt and the shorts really didn't matter. It was the fact that you haven't showered in two days and you've been wearing the same T-shirt and shorts for two days. So if you had just shown up in the T-shirt and shorts, I would not have made you go back to change your clothes. Sounds I would very have reasonable. You clean. You you and he understood me. that. You've convinced me that you have a that you had a legitimate concern, and one of the assumptions in collaborative problem solving is that adults have legitimate concerns. But I'm also right. become convinced, and I have also become convinced that there are lagging skills that might have set the stage for your son to not appreciate the importance of coming together with the group and the importance of at that moment at least, uh, coming to the dinner not stinking and not dressed down. He, he, those okay, are but then you can also turn it around that sometimes he's smart enough that he knows how to push my buttons and try to you know, get me annoyed. So on the other hand, was he just trying to 
see how far he could go, or did he really not get it? So there's like a fine line sometimes. Well, here's the interesting thing. I don't know if we're going to be able to tell. <laughs> right, you're right. I don't but know I if we're going to be able to tell whether that. he... What's that? Well, I don't know if we're going to be able to tell whether he was button-pushing or having difficulty meeting your expectations. I'm, here's the good news. If we run with the latter explanation, it's having difficulty meeting your expectations, then it's not going to matter whether he's pushing your buttons or not. If mm-hmm. we run with he's pushing your buttons, then we might not get the problem solved because the only problem we're trying to solve is him not pushing your buttons. Here's another important point. Uh, I think that adults are going to respond one way if they think their buttons are being pushed and a completely different way if they view this as simply a problem that needs to be solved. That's so exactly right. I'm pick. interested in something that Sharon said earlier. She said that yep. she worked out with the son, with her son in advance that he would be coming. How, how does that um, does that matter? Well, it, it sounds but to me like I laid out my expectations, right? And 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 there weren't a lot of that was really the only one. So, um, and it was you know yes yes yeah. I mean he might not have said yes yes yes, but I believe he understood what they were. So here's the interesting thing, Peter. You said you thought she worked it out with him ahead of time. I think yeah. she uh-huh. let him know what her expectations were ahead of time, but I don't think right. that they worked it out ahead of time. There's a big difference. Right. One one never works out anything. Every, it's always different. You never know. <laughs> okay. So, Maybe uh, we can that, contrast you know, this it's later. Always, well, I didn't say that. <laughs> well, oh, I didn't okay. hear that. Got so, it. you know, Dr. So Green, you're absolutely right. Into, I just want to break it down to its component parts here. Uh, he could be pushing your buttons, but we're going to try hard not to view it that way because that's going to come out in the wash even if we do it a different way. So here's the unsolved problem. He um, presents himself for dinner or wants to present himself for dinner dressed in a way that um, isn't in keeping with your expectations, and you've been explicit about your expectations ahead of time. So far, so good? Correct. From a collaborative problem-solving perspective, we're going to assume that the reason your son – the reason this is hard for him isn't because he's pushing your buttons, although that is an explanation that you could possibly invoke if you wanted to. Um, There's tons of explanations that we could invoke. In collaborative problem solving, we are invoking, this isn't really resonating with him because this is not something that really comes to him naturally, really sort of appreciating how that would affect other people. Maybe he would be, maybe not, maybe he would be receptive to being informed about that, and maybe, maybe not, if we did it in the right way, he would be able to connect with that information. But we wouldn't necessarily say that that's something that comes to him naturally. Fair? Now we have three options. A, B, C. Plan C is dropping the unsolved problem, the unmet expectation, completely, at least for now. And that seems to have been the approach that was favored in this instance, by your husband, who said, oh, just let him come to dinner. Yes? Yes. Plan A 
is where you're solving the problem unilaterally, and that's saying, uh, dude, you're not coming to dinner dressed like that. Yes? Yes. Plan B, which is what I spend most of my time helping people do. And, oh, and here's the interesting thing. As I sometimes say to parents, you got away with A because the price you paid for A wasn't high. It sounds like, unless I'm wrong, you're not that worried about your son destroying property at this point, lashing out physically at this point, lambasting you with a variety of profanities and screaming at this point. Are those things And also I'm not worried about him not eating because there was another option. He'll eat. Exactly. He'll eat. Got it. All right. So I guess the big question is what would it have looked like and here's the interesting thing. Some people can get away with A. Parents of not very challenging kids can get away with A. Um, They can solve problems unilaterally, and the price that they pay for doing that isn't very high. And from what I'm gathering, at this point in your son's development, and I believe this wasn't always true, but at least at this point, he's 21, um, the price you pay for doing A isn't very high. And some of the parents who are listening right now are thinking to themselves, lucky you, they can't get away with A. And that's where plan B comes from. Now, we could spend a fair amount of time if we wanted to talking about whether we want to do plan A, even if we can get away with it. But the big question, as I'm always asking many of the parents who I work with, whether they paid a high price for A or not, and in your instances it was not, what I'm always asking is I wonder what plan B would have looked like. And you've given us a little information of what what plan B would have looked like because You told us what the define the problem step of plan B would have looked like because you told us what your concerns were on this unsolved problem. You felt that him stinking would not have been conducive to happy dining on the part of those around him. That's one of your concerns, very legitimate. And you've even told us a little bit about what his concerns would have been in the empathy step. He prefers... um, smorgasbord dining to eating whatever he wants, whenever he wants dining to whatever kind of dining this was. He may not have, I'm reading between the lines here, he may not have been enthusiastic about eating with a whole bunch of people, although you'd have to tell us about that one. So the long and short of it is it sounds like you had legitimate concerns. He had legitimate concerns. The big question is, What would the solution have looked like if we were doing this collaboratively? Is there a solution that would have addressed both sets of concerns? And that's plan B. What do you think? That's what I'd like to know. Well, I'm going to defer at the moment to our other panel members, both of whom have some decent experience in doing plan B as well. Uh, Susie, any thoughts on what that could have looked like? And, and by the way, we're not we're not lambasting Sharon here. Sharon gave us a great example of what many many parents deal with on a daily basis: the classic A C dilemma. Solve it unilaterally or capitulate. And true to the C isn't even capitulating. C is prioritizing. What I spend a lot of time doing is helping people envision what Plan B would have looked like. 
Susie, you want to take it? Um, I'll try. I I have a question for you, Sharon. Has um, forgive my memory, um, so that's why I have to ask it. Has showering with your son been a problem in the past? Yes. That's what I thought. And um, how? What's been successful? How have you handled that with him in? other instances well you know what when he needs to go out or go somewhere in public he usually showers he's better Um, at it but when he's home um let's say for days at a time until he can't stand the way he smells then he doesn't shower it it all depends It, it it goes up and down i mean sometimes he showers on a regular basis and i think sometimes when he gets in a funk um, you know, that's one of the first things that goes is his hygiene. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Is there anything about this? If he goes out in public, he's likely to take a shower. If he's in a funk, hygiene is one of the first things to go. And this is the interesting detective work that goes on when we're trying to figure out what's really getting in the way for a kid mm-hmm. would you would you because this would be an example of him going out in public in which he actually usually does take a shower was he in a funk because if he wasn't that tells us that there must have been some other explanation for why wasn't was. i think gets in a little bit gotten a little bit of a funk because i think he had told us beforehand that he was sad that there wasn't someone his age you know, on the trip that he could be with, and ah. he wished he could have friend. So, mm-hmm. you know, he spent a lot of time in his room on his computer. He wasn't really socializing with the group. He was ah. really himself. This is this uh, is starting to get filled in, which is huh. which is cool. But here's the beauty of the empathy step of Plan B: it fills in the gaps. And so, mm-hmm. um, any other. Um, hypotheses for that. I mean, that sounds like a big one. There wasn't anybody his age on the trip. He wasn't all that enthusiastic about hanging with the people he was expect he was expecting to be hanging with during dinner anyhow. So his motivation for being there may have been rather low. Any other explanations for why he might not have been enthusiastic about coming to dinner? Um, ready to roll in terms of hygiene? Just given what you know of your son. Um, You know, no, I can't, you know, he, I can't really think of any other reason other than, um, you know, I don't think he was enjoying himself as much as he probably was hoping for. So he may also have been in a bit of a funk on the vacation just in general. Correct. He was supposed to, he had that he would get off the ship every day and, and, and shop or do whatever, or, and he chose not to. So, you know. Hmm. Um, so he was reading, leading a rather isolated existence. Correct. Anyhow. Yes. Here's the beauty of... Plan B, and you know um, that you did A, and it didn't 
blow up on you is fantastic, but I just want to make some important points for the people who are listening to the program. The beauty of B is that you find out what was really going on and make sure that that gets addressed as well. Um, That's the beauty. And the more we're hearing from you, the more clear it becomes, and I think that this is always the case, that there was more to this than mere hygiene. There was more going on, which is what always happens in the empathy stuff of Plan B. And here's here's the amazing part. We're, all we're doing at the moment is, because we don't have access to your son on this program, is we're hearing about what you're thinking could have been going on, and you, you could be absolutely right here. What we're not hearing is what he would tell us as well. One of the uh, important things about doing Plan B, as I'm telling adults all the time, don't be a genius. We may have some interesting hypotheses about what's getting in a kid's way, but we don't know until we actually inquire with him. So it's also conceivable that your son might give us some information about what was troubling him or what was getting in his way that we're not even thinking of right now. Um, But you had asked what a potential solution would be. I'm going to throw it back to Susie. Uh, Susie, any more questions for Sharon or thoughts about what this could have looked like? Um, I guess I probably would have, uh, you know, uh, drilled a bit and um, asked him about his expectations for the trip and his wanting to have somebody his own age to hang out with. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question directly. Um, Well, I guess if I was to set up the invitation, and once again, this is just for informational purposes for our listeners. Here's what it, let's, since we don't have access to Sharon's son, we're going to run with, Sharon's notions about what was getting in his way. Um, There weren't any kids on the trip his age, and so he wasn't that enthusiastic about dinner in the first place. Sharon, any is that why he also thought it would be okay to come to dinner dressed, underdressed, and not, not smelling very good? Well, you know what? It could be that he... Look, he could have been on his computer in his room all day, looked at his watch and said, oh, it's, you know, mm-hmm. 8.20, I haven't eaten yet, maybe I'll just go down and join them for dinner mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without even thinking, you know, maybe there wasn't time. If he showered, he would have been late and missed something. I mean, I don't know what goes on in his head. I, You know, I really don't think he deliberately came down looking like that. Um so maybe he wasn't I, – I, that's a big one, too. He's been on his computer all day because he had chosen not to be with everybody and wasn't cognizant of what he was wearing or whatever. Right. But here's the interesting thing. When we're doing Plan B, we do have a better sense of what's going on in his head. And when we have a better sense of what's going on in his head, we're in a much better position to come up with solutions – that address those concerns as well. And that, quite frankly, is the fundamental difference between solving problems unilaterally 
and solving problems collaboratively. On that note, I fear, we must end today's parents' panel. Sharon, thank you for letting us use your example today, and thank you for being on the program today. You're very welcome. Susie and Peter, thank you as well. We're going to call it a day for today, and um, I look forward to our next parents' panel next month. Thanks, Dr. Uh, Green. And there will be another edition of Parenting Your Behaviorally Challenging Child next week. And now I'm going to click the right button and end the program. Take care, everybody. Talk to you next week.